I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome back to the Lost for Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever for the first time in 2024, Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Tom, it's been a while. It, it feels like even longer than it's been. And first of all, I got to congratulate you on your nice pick on uh, Chris Kirk. That was a hell of a call at a triple digit odds. Nice job. Yeah, thanks. It was, um, I'd say like you don't expect it to happen, but obviously picked it and like he was in, you know, good control of it really. So it was it was a good finish in the end. Um, I'm sure you were cursing him when you had all the uh, other opportunities you had um, with, with speed. Yeah. Did you have the Garda as well? Yeah. Oh, no, I had, a, I had a good chance with Spieth, but I, I'm kicking myself. You did DM me earlier in the week about you thought Kirk was too big of a price, which I do think he was, but I was like a small field with this many good players. I just thought one of the top guys would have to kind of be in the mix, and well, they were, but... I think the thing is, I think this is very much the... In terms of betting, I know this is obviously not a betting show, but in terms of betting, like English versus American kind of thing is that we just always look at each way value. So like to me... I'm always going to back someone I think is too big at 150 to one, and then when he's 200 to one outright in America, it's even better when something like that comes off a little bit like Harmon in the in the open and things like that. So I think it was absolutely right to to think, oh, can we actually see him winning? And fortunately for me, he uh, he, he turned up. So um, yeah, good good week, and hopefully we can parlay that into a nice week at the Sony Open as we stay in Hawaii this week. Um, we know everything we need to know about the Sony, right? Yeah, I think so. Short course, tree-lined, more accuracy than distance, but neither of them really matter off the tee. And it's just hitting those kind of short lines. And approach. I say it doesn't matter. You obviously need to be accurate off the tee, but like the, the winners don't end up being like first and second in driving accuracy. They're just, they're just middle of the road, right? Um, lots of dog legs. Slow greens, slowish greens, um, and small greens as well. Yeah, I want to say um, this course accounts for the most strokes game putting from the winners of any course on tour, so... Again, can you project that? I'm not sure, but um, because I don't think everyone who's won here has been a, a great putter. Okay, Siwoo, no. Decky, no. Nah, yes. Cam Smith, yes. Kuchar, yes. Kazire, maybe. Um, so I think, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt because you never know even when a mediocre putter is going to have a great putting week, but putting is definitely I important. Just spoke to Brad on, on the betting show, and he was talking about the fact that um, Connors has sort of flashed with five, uh, five strokes gained in Sony over the past two times or over the past sort of five years. So I think because you've got the smaller greens, like it gives the bad putters a chance to to really have a chance to improve, but also like eventually the water finds its level and the bad putters do struggle uh, in these birdie events. But we've got an interesting, an eclectic kind of top group, I guess, led by three Europeans, Louis Gayberg, 10-5, Tyrrell Hatton, 10-3, Matt Fitzpatrick, 10-2, Thigala, 10 I'm going to take Aberg on this week. I think with the, I know he sort of bounced back with 63 on Sunday, but he shot 77 on Saturday on the easiest golf course in the world. Um, is it just finally going to catch up with him? Like he's just been too good for too long? Yeah, I think I've both been very early on uh, Aberg or Aubert, and now I'm going to be late on on Aubert because uh, I'm the biggest Aubert fan you'll, you'll ever find. But the thing is that the, the 
how quickly he went from being 80 to one to 12 to one is mind boggling to me. And it's, it's just too much. It's too much, too fast. And if he wins, sure. But if he wins at 12 to one, I'm not going to be worried about it. And if he performs great as a top price guy, I just think the market has overtaken the actual results on the golf course. He's been good, yeah. but I think it's just crazy that he's being priced the way he's priced right now. And I'm, I'm not going to be there for it. If he wins, so be it. it but also like, objectively speaking let's say even if he was 10 instead of 10 5 or 9 8 or whatever i still don't necessarily think this would be a course i'd want to play him at like it doesn't like it doesn't strike me like it, i felt he was much better suited to last week and he performed pretty dismally yeah i mean i would argue neither of the courses really fit him very well because yeah. it's almost like when you're betting a uh, ram or mcelroy that skill set where if it's, they're long and straight, and they gain a bunch of strokes off the tee, and they're one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the game. You want them at a place where driving is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the thing he does the most is is not useless, but it's less useful here than it would be at a bunch of other courses. So if I'm gonna if I want to pay up for Aberg, it's gonna be, you know, at a place where driving is much more important. Yeah. No. Absolutely understand that. For similar reasons, I think. Not similar reasons, but I, I think Thigala as well. Like, I know he had a good week last week, but I just think he's going to struggle a little bit around here, probably get a bit too erratic off the tee. So that kind of leaves Fitz and Hatton for me in his top, where I think both of them could have a really good week. I do too. I, I lean Hatton there because I think he's playing a little bit better right now. Fitz yeah. last week didn't really do um, – statistically wasn't very good. Uh, most of it was putting. And Hatton, I think, is kind of – you know, I almost think of Fitz to a lesser extent as the Aubert and Comp, where he's such a great driver of the golf ball, and he's just so accurate, and he hits it pretty far now. And I just think uh, kind of the plotter, like look at a Cam Smith type where Hatton more is like great short yeah. game, gets the putter going, can spray it once in a while, but can make up for it with some recovery shots. I just think this this course fit I like a little bit better for Hatton. It's interesting with Fitz because he's kind of morphed a little bit. Like he went from – not really competing in birdie fest events on the PJ Tour ever, but was making loads of birdies and, and going low in wins in Europe. And now he can kind of birdie fest both because he's kind of got that long and straight driver. But here it's kind of a mixer of, yes, you can go really low, the winds are down, but you do have to grind it out still. And the, if the winds get up, I don't know if I necessarily like favour that for him. So, yeah, I, I think I think I like both, but I, I I lean with you. I do like Hatton. Um, yeah, both definitely have a chance to. Be, I think I think both are going to be involved. Yeah. Do you think Harmon's a better option than both? I, I quite like Harmon. Um, it makes a lot of sense. I was a little kind of confused that his course history wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. But this is another one I think where it's like round by round. Like when you actually look at so on the face of it, again, like definitely dif- difficult to disagree. Uh, he's had one fourth place finish, and that's his only top ten ever here. Um, but he was the, he was the third six hole leader that week. Um, his debut, he had a second round or third round 66. He had a second round 66 when he was 32nd. When he was 13th, he finished third. He was third, sorry, after 54 holes. He had a 66 and a 64 that week. Closed with a 66, 65 the following week. So he shoots the rounds that he needs to open 68, 68 when he finished 32nd. Um, he, he shoots the rounds in isolation, but doesn't put the four rounds together. And I, I quite like that because he, he's having a career. He's, he's improved massively, like, and his confidence is flowing. Played well last week, finished fifth on the course where longer hitters would generally prosper a little bit. I know that didn't work out with with him and Morikawa and Kirk and Spieth and all that kind of in the mix. But like, 
you would think they'd have an advantage with how many sort of longer holes there are. So I, I quite like him. I, th- I think it's an interesting time to play him. I think he's expensive, which kind of helps. You've got you've got Thigal who's going to be popular. You've got Henley around him who I think is going to be popular. So I think he's in a range where you could play him. Yeah, no, it makes plenty of sense to me. Uh, even, you know, if this is Brian Harmon before he won and he was 7,800, everyone would probably be playing him here. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I think it's I think your opportunity to take him at a bigger price. But um, what do you make of Eric Cole? Like, he just keeps playing well. Yeah, I'm, I just, I'm not an Eric Cole guy. I, I'd, I'd like to be, but I just can't get there. I just think he's overrated, overpriced. I can't play, like, why is he more expensive than Kirk, who just won? Yeah. Or Henley, who's finishing the top five here every single time he plays, basically. And then the final question, I guess, in this kind of range, is Zalatoris still broken? Um, I don't. I think he probably is, but if he isn't, I still don't think you can play him yet. I mean, but, but I just don't like the calls for him either. No, it, it it just doesn't make sense. It's not a um a real ball striker's course. He's a pretty horrible putter. Uh, short game isn't great. He just missed eight months with a back injury, and then when he came back, he played once and played horribly. So I don't know how the hell you can go to him here. I mean, if you want to be, get serious game theory and think you can pull one over on everybody, then sure, go for it. But there's just so many players around him who are better course fit and better current form. But I think I think if you're going to play like this, pull the wall over people and you know go against the grain, probably not quite the same ownership level, but is Hideki not the answer to that? Like, I think people are out on Hideki at the moment. I know you've been in on him for months <laughs> and, it, and it's not really worked. But th- this, to me, looks like the play. I, I know he was pretty average last week, you know, third round 76. But he had 68 and 69 in there. He finished 10th at the Dunlop Phoenix, like 63 round one. Eventually, somehow, he's going to find his way out of this slump. And when you look, he missed his first four cuts here, but he's been really solid, like 27, 51st, 12th, 19th, the win. And then 48th last year, even playing badly last year, shot 65 in round three. He had 66, 65, 66 the year before he won. Finished 67, 67, 66 the year before that. Like he's he's constantly shooting 66 and 65s here. Um, I just I just think at some point Hideki Matsuyama's got to come good, and and you've got players around him where they've got the Henley, he's got the Benny Ans who are going to be popular. Is is it a chance to take him? Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. I was staring at him earlier and I'm kind of not kicking myself, but like, I'm just hoping he doesn't play that great because I, him, I was going to bet him like, yeah, it's 40. He's the same price as Ben on. Could you ever believe that yeah. Hideki and on would be the same price? The only thing is I would say is that like when he won here, it was kind of a peak of his, it's not like he was always good at like third, fourth, fifth, first. Like he's, that was pretty out of the blue really. Um, I don't know. It's tough. Like, I, I want to advise people to play Matsy Armour, but I'm so scared of it. Yeah, he gained, like, eight strokes putting when he won here. Yeah, it's not good. Um, but I, I think that's – but I agree with you. If you're going to try to get cute, I would play him over Zal Torres. At least he's shown that he likes the course, uh, and he has been playing recently, whether it's not the best. But, I mean, history tells us that players can come here and play well if they played last week. It doesn't necessarily matter how well they played last week. Just yeah. Just play. So who do we like in this 9K and above range? Um, I like Connors a lot. I just think um, that course history, I just I don't think you can avoid it. Um, you know, I, I think that he puts it really well at this course. It's just something about this course really sits well with him. Um, he played pretty well last week, but not too well to where, 
you know, it screams at you that he's getting ready to win. But he uh, finished with a six under 67 on, on Sunday, led the field and approach on Sunday, which I always like to see someone who had a really good final round that can kind of carry the momentum in. He was fourth in the week for strokes gained approach. Uh, his last four starts here, he's finished third, 12th, 11th, 12th. I mean, it's, you can't get much more consistent than that. And he's first in his last 24 rounds at at um, Walleye in strokes gained total at the course. So I don't see how you can not play him. Yeah, I think he's the safe play up here in this 9K range. Um, Kirk, I think, is pretty safe still. But you don't know how someone reacts from, from winning a big tournament. And then JC Poston, I really like. I spoke to you earlier. I know you were a little bit sort of wondering whether his course form was that good, but it's definitely in isolation again. Like, even when he missed the cut in 2021, he had an opening round 65, 10th after round one. Uh, He was 42nd the the next year, but he also opened with a 64 and bounced back with a 66 in the final round as well. Last year, 67, 66, 67. He's playing his best golf, really, um, of his career, and and I think it's a good course for him. So I like Poston, I like Kirk, I like Connors, but... That's not gonna. That's not gonna surprise anyone, right? Like people don't come here for those kind of takes. But at the moment, I've kind of avoided the 10Ks altogether, and I've put in like a lineup where it's Connors, Kirk, Poston, gone next. We'll, we'll talk about the, the ones that I've gone, but that's how I started it. And then I've got a guy at seven eight, someone in at six seven, leaves me seven one for my final pick, which I haven't decided yet. Um, so I think that's a way to do it this week. I think it is too, and you know. I don't think that will be unpopular way to do it. I think that'll probably be the conventional wisdom of what most people do. Yeah. So, uh, I, I right now it's looking like Fitz is barely being played very early. Obviously, um, Obeer will get some because he's kind of that flavor of the month. But, but I still think you could be different in doing that because people are going to play Cole uh, and they're going to play. Did you say Connors in yours? Yeah. I think C- Cole and Connors would probably be. Two of the more popular guys in this range. Um, well, be popular, or people just assume he can't do it twice. Um, I don't know. I think he'll probably. I think he'll probably be popular. Because I guess you can offset like a Poston or a Kirk or a Connors with the Matsy armor and start that way. If that's the kind of way, right? Then you kind of get a little bit different that way. Exactly. Pick three of them, and then one of them being the one of the unpopular ones. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, let's go into the eights then. So. There's a drop-off between Matsy Armour and, and Benny Ann. Benny Ann's 8-7. Obvious player. I think you... Are you betting him this week, Benny Ann? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. You know what's funny? I wasn't going to. And before... I, I just want to agree with you really quick that I also like really like Kirk. Yeah. Uh, I think he... I kind of think he's like the perfect type of guy who will go back-to-back because... I think he's, he's so capable of doing that. He's not celebrating. You know that, right? He's not going out drinking and partying. Yeah. Which I'm not, you know, I'm not even trying to be funny there. You just, you, that's, no, I think it's a factor with yeah. with guys who win. They go party and they, you know, they see how, see how they feel the next week. But he's obviously not doing that. He hit the ball so well. He's really confident. And this is a and this is a swing where people tend to do that. It's happened six times in the past like twenty and years. It just looked no stress at all. Yeah. Like even when Thagala tied him, he he knew he had sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, where he he basically just had to pick up two. Um, or one and 17 he just puts it to three feet and, and seals the deal basically and he can just go up 18 playing it in a three shotter and I mean he left way too big of a putt for me in the end but like it it didn't really matter he just didn't seem stressed at all and I don't know if that was just because Kapalua is easy and he can kind of shoot with it in the lead I don't know but he just seemed pretty calm maybe he was 
overcome with emotion. That's why he didn't show up. I don't know. But he, he seemed pretty calm all the way. And then you come to the Sony Open where it's a perfect golf course for him. He's shown that by finishing second twice and third and fifth and all sorts. Like it, It's hard to really look against Chris Kirk. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the fact that that's happened, uh, the the Hawaii double has happened six times in less than 30 years. So, so who's two- done that? JT, Jimmy Walker. Um, Cam Smith. Um, uh, BJ Singh. Yeah. Um, let's see who else was it? It was uh Jim Furyk. Yeah. And that's it. That's 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 six. That's six. Yeah, yeah. So let's, I want to see what year it was when VJ won it. VJ won this. Yes, yes, it was 2005. So, oh, sorry, Ernie was the. There's one more Ernie. So he's the sixth one. So let's see what year Ernie won it. If Ernie won it in 2000 and three and four, so. Okay, yeah. So 2004 is when he won both. So that's less than 20 years. It's happened six times. That's a lot. It's a lot. And I know these these are like for the most part elite. But he's, there's no difference to Jimmy Walker winning back to back, is it? Like it's the same gig. Like they just hit a really good part of their career. And we're talking about a player that. I mean, when Jimmy Walker won the first one, he beat Chris Kirk by one. Nar beat him by one. And Chris Kirk, I think, he should have won that year that Nar won. He should have definitely won one of them. Um, yeah. So we're talking about a guy that's got it in the bank. He, he knows what to do. And he's just in the form and confidence of his life. I mean, he's not in the form of his life, but confidence of his life, I guess. Um, and probably at peace with himself. Um, and what, what I've always said about Chris Kirk, and I say this about any sort of golfer, when there's a there's a bank of what they were like pre whatever happened to them. So in Kirk's in, in situation, it was the, the issues of alcohol and, and depression and things like that. Prior to that being a factor, he won in 2011, 2013, 2014, 2015. Then he goes eight years without a win. I don't know when the timeline was where it all started, but it was a significant period of that time in between 2015 and 2023 where he struggled. And then he goes back to about years 2023, 2024. He's, he's essentially winning every single season on tour, apart from that period where he struggles. So a fully healthy, mentally strong Chris Kirk, and forget that's forgetting the Corn Free Tour winning in 2020 as well, is someone that generally is used to winning once a year almost, apart from that obviously big gap between the, the Colonial and Honda, where we don't know where the struggle started. So... When when you get that and you think, okay, well, what is his level? His level is that he can win a PGA Tour event. He's done it six times. Um, there's no real reason to think he can't do a back-to-back. Yeah, and just to add, the reason why we had one extra guy, Walker didn't actually do it. Um, he ah. won in 2015, um, and he won this twice, 2014 and 20. He won yeah. this tournament back-to-back. But actually, in 2015, the tournament champions – he lost in a playoff to Patrick Reed. So he basically did it. He won it twice and yeah. lost in a playoff once a year. So, I mean, there's a reason why it's because you don't know how many people have been playing. So the person, they got the rust off, they get to play similar environment. A lot of guys are playing for the first time. It just seems like a perfect spot to do it. So I think he really could. I bet him also at 35 to one. I thought that number was a little bit disrespectful after the win. Well, that, uh, that, that should have been his number before the win. So yeah. If anything, I think he's been punished. Like I almost think if he didn't win, he'd have been 28 to one. Yeah, I know. Seriously. And his course history is crazy. I mean, he's a third, a second, and a tenth, and I think out of the last three out of the four years. So this is honestly the first time, I can honestly say this, this is the first time I've ever bet a player to win the week after they won. Yeah, you don't like doing that. but I never do it, but it feels right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You've gone into Benny Ann for this. I mean, not for the winning reasons, but he's been so consistent for so long now. We, we talked about him for a long, long period of time on here. We, we don't necessarily play him too much, but 12th here last year on his debut, just ball striking the lights out as well. Yeah, and he, he, doesn't he feel like he's going to win this year? Yeah. It's, it's, he's another one. Like, he won early in his career, like a big event um, at Wentworth, and then didn't really kick on from that. But it just feels like he should be able to do that at any point. Yeah, and you get a uh, couple of agents have won here. Um, he plays some of those courses similarly to, you know, the courses that Nah has played well and um, some of those players. So can he win? I, I don't know. I mean... We haven't seen him really deep in contention in a long time. Well, but the thing is, like, so again, it's, it's not the same as Chris Kirk. Chris Kirk's done it six times. But we're talking about a player. He won in 2015 on the DPO Tour, won by six strokes at that Wentworth. Um, and he opened for 71, by the way. And then loses in a playoff at the Zurich Classic 2016, loses in a playoff at 2018 Memorial, then wins on the Cornwall Tour in 2022. He could have had, he could have had five career wins. In or four career wins in like however many years it is seven and yeah I know one of them is obviously in the Corn Ferry but he wouldn't have been in the Corn Ferry if he'd won either of those two events that he was in the playoff so and he's been beaten by Bryson in that second one as well it's not like he's been beaten by nobody so we could look at this player completely differently and he's 32 years of age and like I think people until now obviously he's back on being flavor of the month but like until now he'd been kind of written off I think yeah, it's and it's nice he's this expensive. I still think he'll be popular, but hopefully this price keeps people a little bit away, away from him. Well, I guess it's because people are going to find it hard if they want to go to the high nines, tens, right, to, to put him in. But if, if you're going to start with that lower build, then, then it's possibly. But And then I think this is a really tough range, this 8.6 to 8K range. I, I don't know what to do, really. Like, Siwoo Kim, defending champion, is what he is. Like, he could either win or miss the cut. Don't really feel safe there. Cam Davis, it doesn't feel like a Cam Davis course, although he's played well here in the past. I've seen Justin Rose mentioned a lot. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Davis, um, which is kind of the reason I'm doing it is because, like you just said, there's two reasons. One, it doesn't seem like a spot where he'd be good at, but he kind of sneaky is. He's been good yeah. here, and he has the comps, the heritage, and the Wyndhams he's kind of randomly played well at. Um, you also had an Australian Cam Smith win here, which you know might mean something. And he let a lot of people, not me, I didn't play him last week, but a lot of people seemed to like him last week and he let them down. Sometimes you see the next week, the guy kind of pop up and bite people in the ass. So I'm going to go, I'm going to zig where people are zagging. Yeah. It just, it, you don't know, look at him and go, oh, he's a long hit. That's what he relies on, but that is not going to work here, but he's done, he's been consistent all the way along here. So I think he's a solid player. I just don't know if he's exciting. Are people just going to Rose cause he shot 61 on Sunday? That. And I think, um, when he did play, he hasn't played here in a while, but when he did, he was really good every time. I think if you look at strokes gained yeah, total from 12, this course. 13th and second in his three starts here. But a long time ago. Like, I'm the biggest Justin Rose truther in the world, but I didn't even consider him this week. I'm trying to turn a new leaf in these type of events. My my card in the past would have been English Rose. That's why I would have bet both of them. <laughs> and yeah. Cooch. English Rose and Cooch. That's what yeah, I would have well. bet. We'll talk about Cooch in a minute. But, um, anything on Jaeger, Bradley, or Hadwin? Uh, no. I mean, I think Bradley's cheap in this and in the betting market. I just, I'm not feeling it. I That might be a mistake because he definitely is underpriced considering his talent level and what he's done. Um, you know, McCarthy and English make a lot of sense on paper, but 
Um, you know, I don't know. I, Todd makes more sense, but he's probably going to be the most popular out of the bunch. I really like Todd. I think Todd's got a great opportunity here. Um, another one that's not necessarily performed as well as he should have done this golf course based on his kind of suitability, but should do it at some point. Matt Cooch is going to win, Matt. Yeah. Like, oh, that would be you, painful if he did. You've been betting Matt Kuchar. I mean, if, if, if it's a Matt Kuchar, Hideki 1-2, you're going to be absolutely kicking yourself because they've been like two of the names you've been throwing out. I can't get my head around why people would not. I mean, people, plenty of people will, but why people wouldn't play Matt Kuchar, apart from just wanting to go against the ownership. Yeah, I don't think ownership's going to be that bad. I, I think he's, um, he's, he's literally the most reliable player in the field at this golf course. Oh, he definitely is. I mean, I was on him when he won here at fifty to one. I'll never forget it. Um, was a was a great uh, great win. He won easily as well. He was like three or four shots, I think. Yeah, it was sweat free. I mean, I remember like sitting in my car going, getting ready to go into a place. I was like, I'm gonna look at the odds real quick. And I was like, Cooch is fifty to one. I'm gonna t- toss a little bit of money on that. Um, but he just he's old now. I mean, I think DraftKings wise, I think he's he's definitely a good pick. My question is just. just Winning, like I've had him in contention multiple times. Uh, he's going to win. Like I, I don't, I don't even want the doubt. Like literally, when you look at the form, right? So he was fine. He, he was terrible to Dunhill Links, really, but it was a weird event. Then he finishes 19th in the Andalusia Masters. He's second in Mexico, where he's a 54 hole leader, which you were on, I think, right? Yep. And then um, the force in that he was seventh, where he was three shots back going into the final round of the gala. And then the RSM Classic, where he finishes 53rd, which potentially might put people off, he opens uh, 6th after round 1, 5th after round 2. Like, he was he, he was in contention in three of his last five events. Yeah. And he comes back to the golf course, where the last 10 times he's played it, he's finished inside the top 10 seven times, 13th once, and missed two cuts. Him and his son were in the first-round leader in the PNC, too. He wins. Like, he, he, he literally wins. Ah. I, you know, for your sake, I, I don't hope so. Actually, I can't. I can't allow you to have this one. No. Uh, you won last week, but I can't allow that to happen. No, I mean he's he's gonna he's gonna play well. That that's the the cold take. The hot take is that he's definitely gonna win. Um, he's fairly cheap too. That's what I mean. Like it's it, it's just a good price. Like it's a good lineup builder. Um, and then you got Svensson. I think he'll he'll gain a little bit of interest. Hoagie and Spawn, I guess, would be interest around here as well. Yeah, I was I was looking at the uh, odds earlier. I thought Hoagie at like 110, 121 was pretty interesting. Um, Did he hit the ball well last week as well? Uh, I think he hit it okay. Eighth in straight scan approach. Yeah, pretty good. Tees Green is a bit average, but that's fine at that golf course. I don't think he was necessarily expected to do that. Finishes 38th. Pretty average finish, I guess, in, in such a small field, but I don't care too much. He's been kind of hit or miss, though, isn't he? He's not putting four rounds together. But this is an event where he should have definitely won in the past. Yeah, I, I like I like Hoagie a lot better than some of the guys around him. Glover is showing up to me as being very popular. I I mean, I don't want to say I don't know why, but uh, he's not for me right now. I don't I don't want to bet him, look at him or anything. So um, he's got a, one good like, performance here where he's like fourth, I think. But if Glover plays here every year, he's going to finish well at some point, right? Um, I'm more interested in Spawn in that respect. Like Spawn is a player that you thought should have played well here over the years, didn't, and then finally did, finishing 12th last year, and uh, he was second after two rounds. Yeah, yeah. I uh, 
I'm not a spawn guy, but I, I can see the appeal. He's got, what is it? So in the, he was 46th at the Shriners, but he opened 66, closed 67. He was sixth at the Zozo, did nothing in Mexico, but closed with a 66 anyway. And then 13th for the RSM. So to me, that, that suggests he's ready to sort of play like this, of course. But he's missed so many cuts here that you can't really rely on it. What about List? Are people going to be out on List? I'm I'm out on List. I, I've never been in, though, either, so. Well, that's true. But, like, I just think, like, three or four, five, six top 25s in, or five top 25s in the last six events, one of them being a win. Yeah, he's playing well. He's playing doesn't well. play well here at all. He's missed five cuts out of six, but when he made the cut, he finished 13th. Just a sh- I just can't picture Luke List. It's a short course in Hawaii. It just doesn't feel right. No, I'll get it. Andrew Putnam, I love. 7,500. Um, really like him. I think he'll be popular because he's second and fourth here in the past. 27th, even when he's not been second and fourth. Even when he was like 57th, I think he played well for two rounds. He was inside the top 12. And he's just playing well. Like, I, I thought he was going to win last season. Didn't. Um, finished fifth at the in Mexico, final round 62. And then he was terrible to start with last week. Uh, almost unacceptable, shooting a 74-round Kapalua, but then finishes 67 64. Um, so I like Andrew Putnam a lot. Do, do you know if he has the beard back or not? The beard? Um, yeah. No, I, I can't say I do. So I is bet that, him recently. Yeah, it is for me. I bet him recently at, I think it was the Zozo, and I, I expected bearded Andrew Putnam, who was had been really good in the past and then he completely sucked but then i watched the coverage and i realized he didn't have his beard so if he has his beard back i'm interested but if he doesn't i'm not uh he has i'm just watching a shot from the sentry beardless but uh how long does it take andrew putman to grow a beard yeah i mean it might my mind might change if we see some coverage on wednesday and see him there if, and if, with he, a beard, if but... he turns up on thursday first tee you live betting him because he's got a beard Yes, I think he can probably still he still be fine at this price without a beard, like top thirty. But I don't want I don't I don't see a top five unless he the, has a beard. The winning upside comes from the beard. I like it. Um, yep. Anything else? Rye Griffin, Justin Sir, Horschel. Yeah, I like Griffin. Um, he once did an interview with a uh, really talented, um, attractive man, and in that interview, he told that person that he gave three or four courses where he thinks he's going to win at. One of them. Um, I bet him at, and he broke my heart, missed a blew a lead, two-shot lead with three to go. And then another one, he sucked. And here's the third one. He said Sony. So he told me he was going to win here um, or could win here. This is one of the spots on tour. Makes a lot of sense. He's played well here in the past. The game sets up really well. Uh, do I trust him to actually get something done like that? No, I don't. But um, I think he makes a lot of sense here and doesn't look like to be too popular either. Yeah, Griffin, 12th on debut last year, fourth after round one. And his form is just... You know, incredible, really, isn't it? Second at the Sands and Farms, losing in a playoff. Um, pretty poor at the Zozo, but then 23rd at Mexico, 37th in Bermuda, where he shot second round 63, and then eighth at the RSM Classic to finish for the final round 61. So, um, pretty strong. There's no like beard attachment to Ben Griffin, like he's, he's fine either way. No, but um, if he screws me again, I'm going to make sure he's selling real estate next year instead of. Um... <laughs> no, well, I, I do. I yeah. like him. Yeah, good guy. What about Sir? I like Sir too. I the two guys started I had right there were um, Griffin and Sir in this range. Playing well. And just feels yeah, like... he's playing all right, but he just I I don't know what his ceiling is. When he seems like when he starts really hot, he ends up um, falling off. He this feels like a course fit for him. Played it once. I don't think he played it very well. 
41st. He wasn't his first time. He's a tough guy to kind of nail down. 65 in the second round last year. I, I think he's the first round leader. I've just That's just how I play Justin Sir. Um, I like that too. I think maybe I'm going to join you on that. You mentioned Horschel to me. Yeah, I thought the number just seemed pretty big, but I thought he was going to play well in that one event. What did he play in the Dunhill um, over yeah. in the fall? And he really was bad. Is he going to come out of the gates here and play great? No one's playing him. I don't know. I'm surprised by his number, and I'm a little surprised by his price, and I'm a little surprised by his ownership. Well, he's 14th uh, at the Dunhill. 14th at the Dunhill, 20th at the French Open. I think he was actually Wentworth where he struggled, potentially. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and then he missed the cut of the RSM, which I think is... Because I think a lot of people went, oh, he's good value for the RSM, right? And I think that's what put everyone off. Um, I believe that was one of them, yep. Yeah. But he's, like... What people don't, people always think about the rust and then they go, okay, you've got, you've got to have had a good performance before you went off, something in the bank. These people got so, like, four weeks of no competitive golf is such a long time to get right. And I think that's what he needed. He didn't really have the opportunity to take that kind of break last last year. Um, and I think that could be the difference between him. Because he's he's so good. Like, as a, as a player and a winner, he's so good. Um, and objectively, of course, should be a good one. It should. And it, almost like with Kirk said, he didn't barely play in a month. He was playing lefty for a month. That's not he tried to break 80 lefty, right? <laughs> and that's all he said. That's all he did the past month. He wasn't even practicing. Probably a good thing. So, yeah, maybe it's good for Billy, too. Uh, yeah, I might sprinkle a little bit of Billy in there. I was really surprised by Grido's number. He was huge. Like, he was 100 to 1. But he sucks at this golf course. And he sucked last week as well. But, like, he, I, I can't believe how bad he's been. Now... It's weird because the first four times he played it, he was okay and he missed two cuts. So maybe like it sort of just coincides with the fact that he was struggling a couple of years before he had this kind of mini revival. Because 47th, 21st, 22nd, 47th, they're not terrible, right? But I'm surprised he's not had many like sub-66 rounds here. Like It feels like a course where he should tear it up at some point. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, he likes these, this type of thing, a little birdie fest. Uh, and a resort course type of thing that seems like up his alley. Uh, I don't know if he's. I mean, he won, then he kind of fell off I think a little bit. I think he's broken. Like yeah. if he misses the cut in Mexico and doesn't doesn't play the RSM, misses the cut of the Shriners, misses the cut of Sands and Farms. I think he's broken a bit. Um, yeah, you want to get guys on the way up, and I think he's kind of on the way down a little bit. Agreed. Um, Wallace, Patrick Rogers was interesting. Kitty Armour, I thought was worth a second look. Yeah, I think he did pretty well on approach last week. Yeah, I think that's what flashed up to me. Let's just double check that. Yeah, seventh in approach last week, Kitty Armour. Um, 17th tee to green. And I think he made the cut last year, but nothing special. But I just think, like, if, if, it, if, it, if it, Kitty Armour's one of those players, like, if he's got a bit of course form, people like him because he's a bit of a fancy name and he's people like the guys that come over from the DP World Tour over to here. But... Because he hasn't got that course form, he was 16th at the Zozo, but he was actually 7th after 54, and he was only 29th last week in the short field. But second round 64, final round 66, suggests he just had bad putting week. Like, yeah. I think Kitsiyama's live to, to have a good week. He is. I tend to definitely like him on harder courses. Yeah. When he that won, that was 11 under or something, 8 yeah. under. Was that um, Bay Hill, right, wasn't it? Bay Hill? Yeah, Bay Hill. That was, a, that was a good one. I mean... It makes me think too. At what point are we going to stop saying the great players can only win elevated events? Because he, I mean, not that Kirk isn't great, but top tier players. Speaking yeah. of guys being popular coming on DP World Tour, what do you think of, of Bjork? Good course for him. 
Yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. If it like he, I wonder if York's going to do that annoying thing though, where like you know with Aaron Rye, where we keep thinking he's going to play great at these courses yeah. and he's dog shit and then finishes sixth at Tory. Like I could see Bjork doing something like that. Yeah, you know what else he does? This annoying. You have the lead and then just come immediately dump his pants. <laughs> yes. That's annoying. Uh, if, you, if you ask me if Alexander Bjork can win, the answer is no. If you're asking me whether he can finish seventh, the answer is yes. Uh, yeah. Demont de Chassart will get a lot of attention, but it's not a great course, I don't think, for him. No, I don't either. I love him though. Mind you, I think I think he's mischaracterized. I don't think he's a massive hitter, is he? Right? Like I think he's semi-regular. Like I don't think it's. There's no necessarily reason why I hate him for this golf course. It just doesn't strike me as a good golf course for him. I could be completely wrong. I don't know enough about him, really. I don't know either. You know what's funny? I was actually supposed to interview him on um, Wednesday, and we had it set up, and then he called me and said he wasn't feeling good. He didn't want to be on camera. Could we do a phone interview? And I said, nah, it's better off just waiting because um, <laughs> he had to leave on Friday because I guess they had a, the PJ Tour had a um, like an introductory um, – I don't know what it is. It teach them how to be pros, like all the rookies. They they left on um, last Friday, so he's been there for a couple of days. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know about this course. I, I wanted to ask him. That's why I'm a little bit. Um, yeah, just shoot, just shoot him a text live. I did. He didn't answer. Wow, well, fuck him then. Or I'm out. Yeah, so I'm out. Uh, no, he misses the cut now. Then bad juju. Um, Nick Taylor seven two seems cheap. Yeah, uh, someone mentioned that to me. I'm not a Nick Taylor guy, and I'm not even going to look to see if he's been good here. You can just tell me. Nick Taylor has finished. 11th and 7th his last two starts here. Yeah, that's 30, pretty good. 36th hole leader when he was 11th, and then he shot a Saturday 62 last year. Uh, he was 32nd before that, where he was 16th going into Sunday. He missed two cuts, but otherwise he's he's been pretty solid here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can definitely see it. He's not done Water. a ton, but like 13th at the Shriners, 21st at the Zozo, really bad last week, but... I think that the really bad last week thing is just everyone else was so good, so you just look worse. Like, if you only shoot, like, 8 under par or something, or 10 under par, and everyone's shooting 29, you look like dog shit. But, like, it's sometimes it's just a sharpener for people. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I like Nick Taylor at 7-2. A long way of saying that. Um, are you in on Bjork? No. Okay. Probably not. Montgomery, Smalley. Do you mention you? Wallace? I did very briefly. I just said his name. That's what I did. My only thing about Wallace is I don't know who he is anymore. I don't know who he is anymore. I I thought I was being smart by looking at Wallace for something, and he was shit. Um, Yeah, you can't. When you look at his form, his form looks really good, but it's it's DVR tour stuff. Sit for the Dunhill links, and then 28th at the Shriners, 68th at the Zozo, and then 9th at Qatar, and then 15th at the Ned Bank, 2nd. Uh, the DP World Tour Championship, and then he comes right back to the PGA Tour 40th. Like, I think he's just got a level, and that's it. And that's fine. Like, yeah. Um, um, Woodland, I mean, I think I bet, bet him last year first-round leader. I, brain surgery isn't what it used to be, is it? <laughs> and he's been, he was, I mean, he's been up like a month and a half. Not only am I not a surgeon, I've also never been through brain surgery, so I don't know quite what it was like back in the day and what it is now, but... It had to be more than two months, though. Yeah, I mean... Great recovery time. So if he's good, it's a good course for him. Yeah, I think so. But who the hell knows? Woodland brain surgery or Zalatoris back? Uh, I think the brain surgery has less impact on the golf game. So I'm going to go. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, it depends what, what it is, right? Um, 
probably something we shouldn't joke about but like i just remember jb holmes i i I tried to defend jb holmes once by saying that his brain issues would have meant that's why he does slow play and i think that was a hill i probably shouldn't have died on but i did yeah and everyone got mad yeah 100 percent. but um well here's the thing we're saying in a positive way with woodland because it's a joke about how quickly he recovered in such a great way yeah like like it's testament to him and i think he talked about it where he'd been to then he basically goes to like kansas university to get the doctor because i think his doctors were kind of letting him down here or something and then he went back to his university uh doctors and they really helped him or something along those lines. i, I watched it and then the information is a bit foggy for me but he he was very positive yeah yeah he seems um seems like he's ready to go so uh there's, there's a lot of guys who are like somewhat interesting but you just don't know where their game's at we haven't seen them in a while well, like smallly at seven one, I'd have been fully in on like six months ago, but he's actually been pretty mediocre the last few times we've seen him and missed two cuts in his course. So maybe there's a reason he's down here at seven one. Haisatsuno, I think, is probably one of the better ones that's coming over from the DP World Tour, so I think he's worth a look. And then Ben Coles at seven thousand. Um, Ben Coles. Do you want me yeah. just to tell you about the Ben Coles rather than you having to figure it out? Yes. So Ben Coles on his debut here was 41st, but he was actually open with 67 and was 17th after round one. And then two years ago, he was 11th after three rounds and finished 27th, third round 64. And then Ben Coles was very, very strong to finish the Corn Ferry Tour season. He's 36th hole leader at the Tour Championship, finished sixth, and then finished fifth at the RSM Classic. Yeah, makes a lot of sense, especially with the RSM Classic, I think, being a pretty similar course. Um, he literally whooped ass on the Corn Ferry, like... Did he? Just le- left everyone behind sort of thing. Yeah, it seems like no one's really clicking his name and all that stuff makes sense, so it might be a little under the radar. And then I like Ryan Palmer at 6'9". Uh, it's 2024 and I'm still in on Ryan Palmer, but, like, I just... He, he's good. Yeah, he is. I, I've tried to play him a few times, and he's, every time it backfires, he's like 48 years old, so I don't know. Fifth uh, in Mexico, 66, 65, 64 to finish. Better every round. Then Bermuda, 67, 68, 66, 66. Misses a cut of the RSM, but his record at Sony's good. I mean, he's won here, right? So that that says something about Ryan Palmer. Yeah. Win, um, 8th, 4th, 12th, 17th, 13th. He's, he's solid. Yeah, is there a little Texas... Um... Colonial, yeah. Loves Colonial. Yeah. Zach Johnson yeah. has played well Colonial here and um Kevin yeah. R won both. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I like it. Who else plays oh. well at Colonial? I, I didn't really look enough at that. I mean post of tenth there, so I did that Cooch I think's won there before, potentially. He's won both. Um so yeah, I think it's I think it's Cooch, Zach Johnson and does Cam Smith play well there maybe? Nas definitely won it, so there's three of them that have won both. Um, I think we might be giving Kutra a win that he definitely didn't get, but um, he plays he's good by, there. He's played well at Colonial, regardless. Um, Grillo's won there. Um, yeah. Daniel Berger won there, and he likes kind of these type of things. Rose won there, and he's good. Daniel here. Berger, dead or alive? Uh, I think he's alive. I hope. I hope so, but I have no sightings. Kisner, did Kisner win? He hasn't won here, but his course history is really good here. Uh, he won he, Colonial. Did he win Colonial or did he get like a playoff or something? He won in 2017. There you go. 
four-man playoff, I think, with – oh, no, no, he won by one stroke against Ram, O'Hare, and Spieth. Um, Kirk won Colonial. Cooch has been runner-up there, so we weren't far off of him. Um, I mean, Kirk comes second and third here every year, and he won Colonial. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely it seems like to be a pretty good – I'm gonna look at last year's colonial leaderboard too. And so we're all in. We're all in on Ryan Palmer is basically what we're getting from this conversation. Yeah. Wasn't Tim Clark like a hero at the Sony Open and he played well at uh, Colonial as well? A couple of seconds there. Yeah, that's Charles Schwab, right? Yes. Kirk. Oh, on finished fourth last year. There you go. Uh, Kirk Tagala Spieth on. So you don't think that Tagala should have been good at Colonial, do you? No, you wouldn't think that. So maybe that's uh, a tick in the box for him up the top here. Um, Poston T5. Yeah, I love Poston. So. Armin T5. And friggin' Sungjae T5. I don't know why the hell he isn't here. I would have bet him. I can't believe Sungjae's not playing. I thought he was going to be like 10 to 1. Um, you get the Eric Hole T14 there. Um, yeah, a lot of guys make sense. English has been good at both. Are you looking? What are you looking at? Twenty-two or twenty-three? I'm looking at the one when Chris Kirk won to twenty. Oh, what am I looking at? Yeah, you're not looking. You're not looking at, you're not looking at Colonial. Okay, they brought me to the wrong page. <laughs> this is Grillo won Colonial over Adam Schenk. Who else was on that leaderboard? Scheffler, Harry Hall, Paul Haley, Michael Kim, Ricky Fowler. Okay. Burns, Max Homer, Mark Hubbard. Um, but, Pope, but those guys that you said that play well there have played well there so unless it's just an old leaderboard uh, yeah and Kirk did win there right just a different year yeah um, I think that's all yeah. pretty still relative um, and we won't go one by one in the six Ks but standouts for you I'm going to give uh, Seamus Power a try no one's going to play him he's been pretty <laughs> awful lately I get it uh, but I just think might be a buy too early rather than buy too late. He played last week. Didn't play great, but I just think um, this is a course he's been really good at in the past. He plays all the comp courses really well. Maybe that reset was good for him. He got the rust off last week. And like I said, we've seen in the past that it doesn't really matter exactly how you play the week uh, in the century. As long as you did play, those guys seem to play pretty well. My concern with power is he's just never going to be good ever again. Like he was just good. Yeah, it's possible. Like, like, not even just like the short-term form. Like, it, like, I'm fine with him not being great last week, but I just, I just, I don't understand if he's ever going to be good again. But hopefully he is, because I, I like seeing him play well. Um, Third year in 2022. Yeah. So makes what sense. What the hell's happening to him? I don't know. Like, I mean, he spent years apparently being taught the wrong thing. Like he is, he was reading the data off the wrong flight scope or something, and that's what fixed his, that's what fixed him last time. Maybe he just needs to do something like that. Um, I looked at Maverick McNeely. Yeah, I saw. I I did too. Sixty-eight hundred seems cheap. Twenty-seventh and seventh here in two starts, and he has been back, hasn't he, since his little layoff? I know he only finished like fifty-eighth, but again, like a couple of good rounds of the RSM. Yeah, but my only concern is he's been pretty bad, hasn't he? But he didn't play for ages, did he? Like the need, the need, like. Right, he didn't play for between June and November. Yeah. He played twice in November that Mayakoba finished miscut, and then RSM fifty. He went seventy four, sixty eight at Mayakoba, and then finished fifty eight at the RSM with a couple of good rounds. Like, 
if Maverick Manili is coming, like if he's someone that's benefited from that little break after having a couple of reps before going, then I think he's too cheap. Yeah, smaller greens, he likes those. Wouldn't have been a long time ago, he'd have been 8-8 eight, eight, eight in this rather than 6-8. Yep. Yep. I think that's right. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, I almost think of the same as power. Maybe if they are back, then yeah. it's a great course for him. And yeah. I mean, history. same comment, I guess, for McNeely. He might never be good again, but yeah. Um, very smart individual. So maybe he doesn't need to be good at golf. Um, yeah. I looked at, well, the one player I think has got an actual chance of winning in the 6K is Matty Schmidt. At 6,700. His, okay. his form is ridiculous. Like you look back, so he should have won the Andalusia Masters. He was a 54-hole leader there and basically blew it. Bermuda Championship, he finished third behind Vajegas. He was in that group with him and Noren as well. And then finishes the year in South Africa, 17th from fourth in back-to-back weeks. And you think, oh, okay, that's just, you know, it's DP World Tour stuff. But he was actually in the top 10 after two rounds in Mexico as well. Uh, and then before his third at Bermuda. So I think he's been playing some good, co- good coastal stuff as well. Did miss the cut here last year on his debut, but don't not too worried about it. Like he bounced back from a 72 to shoot 67, so he improved by five shots in the second round. Um, so I like Schmidt. I think he's a really cheap buy at 6700 given his current form. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, the guy I was looking at in this range is there's a couple actually. Um, Taiga Semikawa. Yeah. who Asians do pretty well here, and he's absolutely on fire right now. Yeah. He won his last start. I mean, again, I don't know the field strength or whatever, but I know he won his last start. He was second to start before, and he's just been playing really, really well. Um, I, th- I think we had this conversation last year, though, didn't we? With, like, we did. He was bad. But we did with Nakajima, I think, right? Like, didn't, didn't we play... No, it was actually him. But did we play both of them? Yeah, we, we definitely we... played Samikawa. We I were, did. We were... We were very keen on Japanese players, weren't we? I think. I think we ended the podcast by saying like we should be going to these low-value Japanese players, and then they were shit. Yeah, they were. But he's playing better now than he was then, and he's yeah. a year older. Yeah. Um, I think he might be worth a shot. And then I like Joel Damon, sixty-three hundred. This just seems too cheap. Yeah. He had a really good swing season. You told me that, and I immediately ran to see what he's done here because I think he's a guy that he needs to have played well to even have any sort of thought of doing anything. Made his first three cuts here, 22nd and 12th in that time. Uh, very cheap. Very, very cheap. Because before he just was shit for six months last year, I thought he was going to have a massive breakout year. I did too, but he started to show it. I mean, he was 13th at Sanderson, 7th at Shriners. Wasn't good at Zozo, but China, who the hell knows? Yeah. And that's kind of more of a ball striker's course. I think it's just a really good course for him. And he, um, I bet him at 300 to 1. Yeah, it's a good number. Definitely a good number. Like a value, value play of anything else. He's finished 22nd and 12th here. Yeah, exactly. And so I, yeah, I, I think he's just a good, better player than than his numbers suggest. Like more than anything. I might give him a first round leader as well. Um, I like that. And then my other guy down here was um, my guy Nico Ekaveria. Allegations aside, I like him here. <laughs> we were talking about him on the on the betting show. Like it's perfect he just seems to turn up at these uh, coastal events right and he did all right last week in his century debut um, he did good and didn't he finish 12th here last year yeah he finished 12th here last year i bet him at 400 to one i think that's absolutely crazy he was like the last guy on the betting board yeah get him in um, one the, so this is you know what it, the weird thing about him is like 
it's all these coastal events. It, it doesn't have to be in good form. Miscut, miscut, 23rd in Bermuda. Miscut, miscut, 12th at Sony. Miscut, 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 first at Puerto Rico. Miscut, miscut, miss, million more miscuts, and then we're here. Does he, does he just live on a boat? Is that, like, is his thing? I like, think. He he's Colombian. Sea. He's like old man in the sea. Yeah, he just lives at sea, and that's where he feels familiar. Like, is, Wasn't old man in the sea Colombian? I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about, but... <laughs> uh, old man in the sea, it's a... Um, John Steinbeck book. Uh, uh, so your 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 teacher's coming out now. Like um, I don't know if that made it over to the UK. Sorry, not John Steinbeck. It was uh, Ernest Hemingway. I should have known that. But he, it's about um, I think it's a Colombian man who tries to he uh catches a marlin or a big a big fish. Sorry, he's Cuban. Um, I don't want to say same thing, but I was going to say it. So. <laughs> <laughs> His name's Santiago, so you wouldn't know regardless, right? Um, so that's who he is, old man in the sea. So that's what Echavara is at the age of 23 or whatever the fuck he is. Like, yes. Um, nice back then. We've been, I think we've been mildly offensive on this podcast to start the year. Like I, I'm always I've, mildly offensive. I'm glad I'm dragging you down with me. Well, I've compared Will Zalatoris and Woodland's injuries to see who comes out better. Like, Yeah, that's true. It's not good. Uh, we'll leave it. We'll leave the kind of dodgy comments i guess outside of that hayden buckley um loves the golf course terrible player so what do we do not interested i don't think i like lipsky he's falling off the face of the earth um yeah lipsky makes some sense he likes these shorter courses cameron champ no lipsky could be a first round leader too yeah what about vajegas no he no? sold his soul to win that event. And then <laughs> last week, he was so god-awful in every statistical category. Yeah. He was, like, started yeah. off a lot, too, and I think he finished dead last. That's what I mean. He was, like, 65 or something. Like, he or 67. Wasn't he, like, third after round one? He was. I, I remember seeing him up there. I was like, wow, Vajegas is actually back. And then I remember looking, like, after the tournament. <laughs> he's just, forget, like, he's just gone. But Let's see what he did. Yeah, he finished 50th, lost eight strokes on approach. Yeah, okay, maybe we're out on him then. We've got the Finnish Flash, Sammy Vanamaki's in the field, another DP World Tour guy. Um, the other one I'm really interested in, but I, I don't think it's the right course, but Pearson Coody is someone that's going to be a high upside player at 6,300. Three wins in two years in the Corn Ferry. Yeah, I like it. I was, look, I was looking at a low upside player in Brant Snedeker. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've tried the Snedeker experiment last year. We can forget about him. What about what about the other fellow old man Ches Reevy that we absolutely loved for about six weeks? Ah, I think he's dead as well. I think he's I think he's on well. I don't think he's gonna he's not gonna go for the moment. Um, no, he's just does. Yeah. I mean, yeah, ideally, I think we, I think we bet him here last year. I know I did, and I remember I think I remember talking about him. Yeah, we talk about a lot of people we probably shouldn't bother talking about, but yeah, that's true. Kids is gonna go from the booth to winning sixty one hundred. Yeah, he's just staying in the booth. He's good. I thought he was all right in the booth, actually. Yeah, he was solid. I think. Um, I, I think people are kind of rushing to the fact that he's good when I don't know well, if he is I think or not. People just want to be the shiny new. It's like when Romo was great for the NFL and then he was terrible. Like, it's, yeah. But I think I think he actually could get better. Like I don't think he was so good that he can't match it. Like I think he genuinely could get better. Like he he could be like because he was quite insightful. I read a thing about the Scotty Scheffler thing with his putting that was good, and. 
like I remember when like because I, I thought Kisner would be that guy that because someone asked him about what do you think of aim point and all, all the time they spend it and I think they were waiting for him to be like really Kevin Kisner like oh it's a load of shit basically like don't need to bother and he actually said well no it works like he said I haven't got the patience for it but it does actually work it's proven in the results um so I, th- I think he's actually a little bit more sensible when he gets in the right crowd sort of thing um, yeah so I think he could be pretty good yeah, um, I, I think so too, but just not at golf anymore. No, so, I, think I think there's a reason he's in the booth. Which brings me to a, a guy who I think makes some sense here, um, based on a lot of things we've been talking about. Harry Hall, who yep. I've he gone to. Yeah, he likes, so he finished third at Colonial last year, right? He was in the, in the mix with Grillo. Should have won. Should have won. And then 10th um, in Mexico, which you know could be relatively similar, good in Puerto Rico, um, kind of good in those coastal shorter courses 28th year last year yep i like 27th, him actually you can even you're giving him one one place to service i think uh, i'd bet him first round leader too yeah sort of his jam i guess yeah i think that's it i think that's, we've mentioned names after names there, haven't we um there's, there's some three that i really that i'm gonna that i'm truly gonna play and that's gonna be um nico uh damon and harry hall yeah i like I like those. I like Palmer, Schmid. Um, oh, the one player I wanted to mention, who I forgot, Jake Knapp. I was looking for basically like who is the guy because like Russell Henley went on like an, everyone thought Russell Henley come out of nowhere when he won like 300 or whatever, but he'd actually finished like first, first, sixth, first or something, or first, fifth, sixth, first or something on the corn free leading into the into the year, right? Um, Jake Knapp has finished. 7th, 21st, 29th, 5th, 13th, miscut, 5th, 10th to finish the corn ferry. So finish it really strong. I'm assuming he got in through Q school uh, to this. And he's played some good stuff by the coast uh, on the corn ferry in windy events as well, like Mexico and Price Cutter in the, the Suncoast Classic and all this sort of stuff, like windy stuff. So I wonder if Jake Knapp can be a bit of a late bloomer and play well here. Who the Sorry. fuck is Jake Knapp? Well, I didn't I, know. I didn't know until I, today. <laughs> you know what's funny? I think you're doing this on purpose. I know 142 players in, out of the 144 in this field, and you just intentionally brought up the two players that I don't know: Ben Coles and Jake Knapp. Ben Coles is great, but yeah, ben, I don't ben know why Coles he's never been on my radar. Ben Coles has been here like three times, but Jake Knapp, I fundamentally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know until today. Oh, another one I don't know: Jacob Bridgman. Big hitter. Former, former nightclub bouncer Jake Knapp seeks PGA Tour ID. There you go. Nightclub is bouncer. He, so is he big? No, I don't think so. <laughs> he's he's, he's just a pretty, small nightclub bouncer? He's, yeah, he's like one that you'd probably take your chance on. Like, he's, yeah, yeah, he looks know. a bit... When he's dressed as a bouncer, he looks a little bit mean with the staff on his back, but as a golfer, I'd, I'd take my chances. I mean, I don't ever rough up pounces or even try to but um yeah yeah i'm i'm thinking i'm out on jake now but you should be in because he's going to finish inside the top 30 um, we'll see he's won three times in canada so there we go what more do you need yeah canada hawaii same, yeah, thing. same thing isn't it exactly right favorite picks 10k and above both on hassan uh i would say yes but there's a very high probability i don't play any of them yeah, Figala's kind of sticking out to me a little bit, but anyway, 9K and above. For me, it's Connors and Kirk. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Kirk and Pope. 
wisdom for me. Eight Ks. So yeah, eight eight thousand twenty eighty seven. I'm gonna say um, I like Benny, which is gonna be really popular, and then Cam Davis, it might be a little bit more off the radar. I don't like any of them. Like I literally don't want to play anyone. I think I'll probably just play Siwoo Kim, just have a chance at rooting him. I like Siwoo Kim. Um, let's go 79 down to 74 for the first one. Um, I will go with, there's no one really at 79 I like. I don't mind Todd, but I don't think I'm going to end up playing him. Um, I'm going to go Ben Griffin. Yeah, like that. I'm going with Matt Kutra. Uh, he's going to win the tournament ahead of Jake Knapp. Um, and then <laughs> 74 down to 7. Or 73 down to 7. That's pretty poor like navigation. Um, I didn't, I don't know. I I didn't really uh, like anyone here, but I don't mind Horschel as a flyer. Um, yeah. Saw he's still at 7,400. Who, who the hell knows, but I think he could show up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Ben Coles just to, just to upset you. And yeah. in the sixty in the six K I'm going with Ryan Palmer and Jake Knapp just to really put a bow on things. Uh oh, I got another one. Oh and Matty Schmidt. I get four six Ks. I get um Power. Yeah. Who I don't know, I just got a weird feeling about Hall, uh Damon and uh Nico. Lost Man at Sea, whatever he's called. Old Man of the Sea, yep. Old Man of the Sea. Same thing, isn't it? I'm going to read it now. It's from 1952. You talk about... I can't, I'm telling you who Jake Knapp is, and you're telling me who wrote a 1952 novel. I'm like, who, who, like... <laughs> yeah, well, it's actually a great, great book. I read it in one sitting. It's only like 200 pages. You can p- plow through it. It's actually very, very good. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'll, I'll get straight to that. I'll tell you what, when you can... When, when Jake Knapp finishes inside the top 30, you can read it to me. I'll read it as a, as a podcast and see if you yeah. can listen to it. Yeah, there we go. Audio book from Matt Vincenzi. There you go. Um, good. Good week. Back in the saddle, Matt. I realised just now how much I've missed doing these. Um, looking forward to a big week. Hopefully we get another winner on board and we make lots of money in draftings. All right, let's do it. Have a good week.